Amen. So this, you may be seated. So this morning, um, I wanted to share uh, with you what I believe the Lord has put upon my heart, and that is uh, it's entitled "Receiving God's Best." Receiving God's best for your life, and um, so there's some uh, presuppositions to that, to receiving God's best. Things that we need to, I guess, believe, understand, some groundwork that um, we need to have established in our lives in order for us to enter into what God's God's best for our life. Uh, one of the things is, well, what is God's best? What do I mean by that? Well, I mean uh, God's best for our lives is fulfilling the desires, the will of God. So fulfilling the will of God is God's best for our life. Does that make sense? So for our lives, so it's doing what the Lord would have us to do, uh, fulfilling God's will for our lives, walking according to his will and according to his ways, so that at the end of our lives we hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Um, the Lord wants to be glorified in our lives. One of the things we know from Scripture is that um, the Lord, once we are saved, that brings us into the kingdom of God, that brings us into a right relationship with Him. We are justified by His blood. We are redeemed by His blood. And once we enter into the kingdom of His dear Son, uh, we begin to learn His ways. If we study the Scriptures, if we attend church, if we uh, communicate and commune with other believers, we'll begin to learn his ways and his will for Christians. And one of the things that he wants to do for all of us, Ephesians 4 mentions that 4.13, that he wants us all to come into a unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Lord wants to bring us to a place where, so to speak, we measure up (laughs) to Christ, to the stature, to the fullness of the measure of Christ. So he wants us to grow and to mature and and to, to be like Jesus. Okay, so that's his will for everyone. He Romans tells us that he has predestined, he has preordained that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. So for every believer, God has predestinated, he has preordained, he has already figured it out that he wants us to reflect and be like Jesus. Okay, so that's one thing of God's will that all of us have, that we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um. One of the other things, foundations that we need to, to realize that is that God has created us and that um, he has created us for his own will and for his own pleasure, for his purposes. OK, we've been redeemed. We've been bought. We've been paid for with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to him and we are now redeemed for his purposes, for his goals, for his agenda. Um, Colossians 1.16 says it this way, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So you were created for the Lord. You are created for him. Uh, you are his design. You are uh, for his purpose and for his plans. In the book of Revelation, it goes on to say, Revelation 4.11. I'm going to hit you with a lot of scriptures today. Sorry, I, I shouldn't say sorry, but we are in church and <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, Revelation 4.11, it's talking about those worshiping the Lord in heaven, and it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the Lord has created all things, He has created us, He has created us for His purpose. Um, Revelation 
they're worshiping the Lamb in Revelation 5, uh, worshiping the Lord, worshiping the Lamb, the one who is going to open the seals in the book of Revelation. And uh, it says, you are worthy to take the scroll, and so the Lamb is Jesus, and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. And you have redeemed us out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth with him forevermore. So the Lord has redeemed us. And one of the things he has redeemed us for is to be kings and priests unto the Lord. To conform us to the image of Christ. And to make us in the kingdom to come kings and priests unto the Lord. And even now, in a very real sense, we are kings and priests. In that priests offer up sacrifices, and we are called in the New Testament, we are a spiritual house offering up spiritual sacrifices unto our God. Well, that's what a priest does. And what, that's what we're going to be talking about today is worshiping the Lord and different ways that we can worship God. And one of the ways is uh, a priest does is just worshiping the Lord by offering up sacrifices. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us to offer up uh, continually the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. So we're called to be priests that offer sacrifices, sacrifices of praise which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name continually. To continually. And we've been given the commandment in the book of Hebrews. It starts off by saying, Therefore, come boldly before the throne of God. Come boldly before the throne of God and offer up the fruit of your lips, giving thanks unto his name. Because of Jesus Christ, because of his blood, we can enter into his presence boldly, and to offer up sacrifices and praise, and we have been given, really, a ministry of priesthood. And kings, well, we act as kings when we begin to advance the kingdom of God. We act as kings when we begin to uh, bring others into the kingdom, right? When we uh, uh, enlist others, (laughs) so to speak, or go out and gather others, or invite others and treat others into the kingdom of heaven, we are acting like a king. But at the end of the ages, those who walk with God will be kings and priests on this earth, ruling and reigning with him forevermore. So we see here that, again, so we have some divine callings, don't we? We have a divine purpose, divine calling, One is to be conformed to the image of his son. The other one is to be worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John chapter 4. The father is seeking worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. And this morning we heard about some ways, some truthful ways that we can worship the Lord in truth. Spirit and in truth. Worshiping the Lord. Now, one of the things that we, a a groundwork thing that I believe that we need to know and understand is that God wants to be glorified in your life. He wants to be glorified in my life. He wants to be glorified in us. And that we find that in John 15, when uh, Jesus is talking about the, the vine, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. Let me start in John 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Okay, so bearing fruit, being fruitful, is fulfilling God's word and it is doing, bringing about God's best for our lives. Fruitfulness. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, um, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, 
that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples indeed. So we have to understand or have to realize that it is God's desire for us that we would bear much fruit for him. So he, we have to understand this is God's plan. This is God's desire. This is God's purpose for our lives. You might not think so sitting there and, you know, sitting there and uh, I was going to say in the pew, but we're not in pews in your chair. Um, or you might not think so when things are going terribly wrong in, in your life or seem to be going terribly wrong. You know, how can God be glorified in this? But it is God's plan for everyone who is born again, according to the words of Jesus, that we bear much fruit, bringing glory to his name. So God's best for your life is bringing forth much fruit to the glory of the Father. God's best for your life is bringing forth much fruit to the glory of the Father. He wants to be glorified in our lives. He is going to be glorified in our lives. If we'll learn to trust and obey, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So how do we, and I believe, and um, I believe with all my heart, there is, there is nothing that can hinder you from being fruitful in the Lord. There is nothing that can hinder you from being fruitful in the Lord. What I mean by that, there's, there's no demonic uh, demon, there's no principality power, that can stop you from being fruitful in the Lord. But only one thing, I believe, can stop you from being fruitful in the Lord. And that is you, yourself, or me, myself. We can, we can hinder the work of God that God has desired to do in our lives. And only we can hinder that. When we take, God, when we take ourselves out of God's presence... When we take ourselves out of fellowship with the with God and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, when we stop seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, we take ourselves out of receiving God's best for our lives. No, again, no demonic power can do that. Uh, no other person can do that. Uh, no matter what happens in our lives, as long as we are continuing to seek to glorify God, we will glorify God, regardless of what comes our way, whether uh, poverty, uh, homelessness, you name it, um, if we continue to seek the Lord, we are going to be fruitful for the Lord. So Jesus tells us the key to receiving God's best for your life, the key verse is Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. And what was he talking about, those other things? Well, he was talking about food and clothing and where we're going to uh, live and where we're going to eat and what are we going to drink and how we're going to dress ourselves, how we're going to pay for things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. He basically said everyone is looking for those things or desiring those things or are running after those things, the, the riches and the pleasures of this world. But you seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. And in Luke 12, um, 32, Jesus says another just little verse. He says, don't fear, little flock. It, it goes along and Luke, Luke's repeating the same story about um, people worried about what are they going to eat, what are they going to wear, what are they going to drink. But in Luke 12, 32, Luke records it this way, Jesus saying, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, notice I didn't say uh, obtaining God's best for your life or apprehending God's best for your life or getting God's best for your life. It's receiving God's best for your life. Yeah. 
He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is writing his story, and we have been invited into that story, and we have a part to play, a role to play, and it is up to his discretion what is God's best for our lives. It's up to him. It's up to him, and it's, it's something that we receive. We receive it from him, just like when we receive a gift. We receive it from his hand, whether it seems good or not so good, whether it seems easy or difficult. It is God's gift for us, for the kingdom, and for his glory. It is the Lord, the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you God's best for your life. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 10, that there is a thief. who does The thief does not come except, it's a difficult way to say it, but he only comes, is what we're saying here, he only comes, his entire objective is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. For he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down or gives his life for his sheep. Jesus comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And whatever um, the world or anyone else may try to do, satanic, God is able to turn whatever comes our way into good for the kingdom of heaven. To those that are called according to his purpose, he is able to turn it for good. He is able to turn it for his glory. So God desires and has already paid the price through Jesus Christ that we would receive God's best for our lives. Now, again, what we think is best and what is God's best may be completely different. Right? We might be on a different page as far as, well, and this has been taught in many uh, churches, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity, always getting everything that you want for every uh, need. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the true riches of the kingdom of heaven. I'm talking about the maturity and the fullness of Christ. I'm talking about the measure of the stature of Christ. And I'm talking about uh, coming into a point in our lives where we keep in step and we walk in tune with the Holy Spirit. Like Penny had shared uh, earlier, like some, she usually doesn't say anything unless she feels that the Holy Spirit has uh, imparted or is pressuring her to say something. And, and that's where we want to be. We want to be in, in that uh, experience where we are an open vessel to receive what God is giving and to give it out. To receive and to give. Receive and to give. Channels of, of receiving what God is speaking, what the Holy Spirit is imparting, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, and then being faithful to give it out. Just in case um, you don't <laughs> believe me, that God desires to be glorified in your life. And again, you might look at yourself uh, and say, uh, oh boy, you sure have a lot of work to do there, Lord, if you're going to be glorified in me or through me. And I just look back at the disciples. It's like, oh my goodness, if I was going to pick a band of people to change the world, in fact, the Bible says they turn, they are in Acts, that they are turning the world upside down. It was like every city they entered into, it's like, oh no, they're here. They're here. These men, these fishermen who are turning the world upside down are here. I would not have picked them because they were not the brightest. They were not the best. Uh, maybe not the cleanest. Maybe they didn't smell too good. I'm sure those fishermen probably smelled pretty fishy. Um, but those were the ones... To me, that's such a great encouragement because I look at those guys in the scriptures who are fighting and arguing who's going to be first in the kingdom. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And even when uh, Jesus said that someone's going to betray me, they're like, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Am I going to betray you? And then we always get on Peter because Peter said, I will never betray you. 
And, and they all said the same thing. They all said what Peter said. We'll never betray you, but they all ran. So he, took, he picked a, a ragtag bunch of our gang uh, of people that he, because they had met him, because he had changed their lives, that they were able to turn the world upside down. And he is going to do the same. He wants to do the same through us. The Lord wants to bear much fruit in our lives. His, his desire is that we succeed in every good work for him and that we please him in every way. The spirit and the gifts belong to us. The spirit and the gifts belong to us. And we are created and redeemed to for the praise to his glory. I just want to read a couple of scriptures here from Ephesians. Well, it's more than a couple. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. In case we don't believe it for ourselves, this is a letter written to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I could stop there and go on for weeks, but we're not going to. Just as he chose in us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined. So he has preordained us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. He's adopting us to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. This is the good pleasure of his will to adopt us into his family to the praise of the glory of his grace. We are called and transformed and saved to the praise of the glory of his grace. And it goes on to say, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Christ. We are beloved because of Christ. We are his sons and daughters because of Christ. And he has a plan. He has a purpose. He wants to be glorified in our lives. Yes. He goes on to say in verse 7, in him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and oftentimes that's where our spiritual walk begins and stops, with salvation. In many places, hey, you're saved, and that's great. They never go on to the rest, to growing in Christ. You are saved, we have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, and that, that rich, it's, it's lavished riches, abounding riches, and it goes on to say, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. It's like his grace has overtaken us. It's like a, a flood, a tsunami of grace has overtaken us in all wisdom and prudence. And having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation, yes, of fullness of times, he might gather together. In one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined again according to his purpose, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he, we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We are called to the praise of his glory. In him also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the down payment, the earnest money down, the redemption of the purchased possession, us, to the praise of his glory. Paul is making it very clear here that we have a divine destiny. We have a high calling in Christ. We have a lofty purpose to be lived out in this terrestrial plane that we live on, planet Earth. In the here and now, you have been called to the praise of his glory. You are trophies of grace. Trophies of grace in the... A trophy display of God. Uh, in our former church, we used to have um, a picture board 
of the members of the church. So you would walk in the picture board, you know, you would see pictures of families or pictures of people, um, you know, maybe first married or not married at all, whatever. Just everyone who wanted to have their picture taken and put it on, put on the wall. And some of those pictures, well, uh, maybe people didn't know the background and story of some of them, but some of them, some of them spent time in jail for murder. Some of them had spent time in jail for attempted murder. Some of them had spent time in jail for drugs and drug dealing. Some of them had spent time in jail uh, for being in a gang and using drugs. But now they were saved. They were redeemed. They were changed. They were a new creation in Christ. And if I said, pick out the murderer on the wall, you would have no idea who it was who spent time in jail unless you knew his story. Or pick out the person who was arrested for attempted assault or assault uh, and attempted murder. You would never know who she was unless you knew her story. And so it is with us. We are God's trophies of grace according to the riches of his grace and the goodness that he has shown towards us. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he goes on to say, For you are, you are his workmanship. Now, that's a very poor word because it doesn't really show the majesty, the magnificence, of what he's saying, it's more or less he's saying, for you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. You are his poem. You are his uh, artwork. You are his exceptional artwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them and bring him glory. The last part I added on. You are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. So, I mean, oftentimes we don't, I don't think of myself that way, but that's what the scripture says of us. And we have to come to a point where are we going to believe what the scripture says or what the world says? Are we going to believe uh, what the scripture says or are we going to believe what the world has said or what our parents have said or what our teachers have said? Or what other kids in the neighborhood have said growing up. Are we going to believe the scriptures? Or are we going to believe the stories of unredeemed people? Or the words of unredeemed people? So God desires that we walk worthy of him. Fully pleasing him in every way. And being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. He has equipped us. And empowered us by the Holy Spirit to do his will. He has given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. Jesus Christ is the power and the wisdom of God to those who are called according to his purpose. So we are called according to his purpose and we are called to live a life that pleases him, but a life that glorifies him. And oftentimes it does not seem that way. Uh, Oftentimes we bring God glory by suffering. Uh, oftentimes we bring God glory by being persecuted. Oftentimes we bring, uh, bring God glory by um, going through trials and tribulations, again, looking to him, looking to him throughout those times. Oftentimes we have problems and issues and uh, concerns uh, but God is working in them, in them, and God is working in us to bring about his glory. So it's not about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the lifestyles of a follower of Jesus. And uh, Jesus has promised that we would uh, be persecuted. He promised that we would uh, suffer. He promised that... Uh, the king, well, this Apostle Paul, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So there is, um, so it's completely a different paradigm than the world, right? The paradigm of the world is be uh, successful, make a lot of money, buy a lot of things, 
and, and go out with wealth and riches that you leave to your children. Uh, the kingdom of God is follow Jesus wherever he leads you. And it's going to cost. It's a denial of yourself, taking up your cross and following him. And that's a daily denial of ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. So we need to have the right mindset. We need to have the right mindset. In order to receive God's best, one of the things we need to do is to desire God's best. In order to receive God's best, we have to desire God's best. God's best for our life. Again, that might not be the boats, the cars, the houses. It may be something completely different. There were two sons that were born, and they were twins. And um, in the scriptures, and it was Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob, he desired God's best for his life. And Esau, he didn't value the things of God. And it says, but Jacob, on the other hand, he spent his life pursuing God's best, but through deceit and through manipulation and through lies and bargaining and striving. And even at the end, towards the end, he's wrestling with God uh, about these things. He finds himself wrestling with God. But it was always God's desire. Uh, according to the prophecies concerning Esau and Jacob, Jacob to bless Jacob, and that Jacob would be blessed, and Jacob was blessed, but he tried to apprehend the things of God, like I said, through deceit and through striving. Again, we don't need to strive, we need to receive. Receive from the hand of God, God's best for our lives. God's places in the heart of every believer, every true believer, a desire for his presence, a desire for truth, a desire to know him, a desire to know his will, and a desire to please him. Right? When we're born again, uh, before I was born again, right, I was selfish, I was self-centered, always just looking out for number one, which was me. You know, I would tell people the world does not revolve around you. It revolves around me. Um, but then, once getting saved, we begin to realize there's something much bigger and much greater than ourselves, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He wants us to fulfill the works that he has intended for us. It is God, once we are born again, Philippians 2.12 tells us that once we are born again, it is God who is working in us, begins working in us both to will, so he gives us the desire, and to do his good pleasure. He gives us the desire to do his will, and then he gives us the ability to do his will for his pleasure. So we can... I believe we can put us, ourselves in a position of receiving God's best for our lives. We can put ourselves in a position of receiving God's best for our lives. Well, number one, we have to be born again. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again, according to Jesus. Number two, we must have, believe that it's available. We must believe that we have... Um, an eternal significance uh, that we have a purpose, an eternal purpose that we have an eternal meaning, that we are important uh, to God and that there is a part, a place a role for us to play. Again he has invited us into his story and he is the author and the finisher, the author, the completer of our faith. So we must believe that, yes, indeed, I don't know what it is, or it may, and it may change. It may, at one point in your life, it might be doing this, and another point in your life doing this. I mean, I, I have been so many things uh, in my life, and I'm really not that old, but I, I've been... <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't think I'm a teacher, uh, a principal, a school psychologist, a pastor. Now I'm a real estate guy and a lender, you know, and I'm only 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> no, 
going on 60. But so that may change throughout the course of your life. The thing is, even though what you're doing is changing or where you are in life is changing, is it still are you following Jesus to the praise of his glory? Is your life a praise to his glory? So we have to believe it. We have to desire it. You really do have to desire it. There has to be a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And again, that comes from God. If you don't have it, then ask for it. If you don't have it, ask for it. And if you don't see an eternal purpose, ask God to open your eyes, to see it, to ask for it, to work at it. So you have to believe it, you have to desire it, and you have to ask for it. You have not because you ask not. I mean, if God is calling you to do something, begin praying about it. Quite simply, begin praying about it. Lord, you, you've said this. You have given me this calling, this desire. You have prophesied over me these things. Well, when is it going to happen? Start knocking on the door of heaven uh, with these um, prayers. I mean, so we look at the life, just quickly, of Moses. You know, it appears uh, that he knew he was called to deliver Israel from Egyptian slavery. And he ends up killing the uh, Egyptian slave master, right? And then he flees, and he's in the backside of the desert, gets married, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years. And... So he had the vision, at least we know of, or at least some desire, some uh, understanding of who he was and what he was supposed to do. Uh, But that didn't work out so well when he took things into his own hands and he flees for his life. And then 40 years later, he's on the backside of the desert and God comes to him and meets with him and says, Moses, I'm calling you to go back to my people. Moses says, well, can you choose someone else? (laughs) I'm old, I'm 80 years old, and I stutter. Maybe it would be better if you sent someone else. So God did not give up on the vision. Maybe there's something that God has spoke to you very young in your life, and maybe even as a child, and and maybe you weren't even saved. (laughs) Let me drop that in there. You weren't saved. God gave you something, and you didn't even know what it was or what it meant or where did this come from. Maybe you saw yourself, I don't know, walking through a country and sharing about the Lord Jesus, and then people were listening and following following you as you followed the Lord. And then life happened. Whatever, you wandered, you got in trouble... Uh, you got married, you had kids, da 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 and you forgot all about that. Maybe the Lord wants to call you back to that. Maybe the Lord wants to call you back to that. I don't think anyone here is of the age of 80, so it's not too late. If it wasn't too late for Moses, it's not too late for us. Amen. Says the guy who's 70-something. <laughs> Amen. Right. Um, seeking, asking, knock, knocking. One of the things that we need to do. Uh, uh, let me uh, let me share something with you. I've I've shared it before, um, and it was it's it's really personal and it was really kind of heart rending. Um, but again, you know, just kind of giving the idea that some things sometimes things don't always work out the way we think or the way that we have planned or the way that we hope, or the way that we expect things to go. But it was, uh, and I'm terrible at writing things down. They're just in my memory bank somewhere, and I'm not a good journaler or anything like that, and that's terrible, bad on me. But uh, one day I was in prayer by myself, me and the Lord, uh, in my office at the church, and um, the Lord spoke to me. Well, I I was praying, and I was praying, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I was think, I was seeking to be more fruitful. I was asking God, Lord, I, I, you know, I want to be more fruitful. I want to be 
Uh, I want to have a greater influence uh, over people for the kingdom of heaven. I want you to be glorified in my life. I, you know, praying those right prayers. Lord, I, I want uh, I want my life to be a praise to your glory. I want my life to be a praise to your name. I want my life to tell the story of the love of God more fully. And, and then the Lord gave me a vision. And the vision was of a mountain. And, and the mountain, uh, there was a, a river coming down from this mountain. A uh, huge river coming down, which you know often happens, you know, this time of year when the rains come, and uh, all of a sudden it, it hits this huge boulder in the middle of the river that's blocking it, hindering the river from flowing, and only a little trickle's coming out. And uh, I'm like, and on that one, I I maybe had a couple visions my whole entire whatever 40 years of walking with the Lord. Um, and so, you know, pray about it. I was, okay, well, what's this? And um, the Lord showed to me, revealed to me that the river was the river of living waters. And, and like, if you want to do these things, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to um, be a praise to his glory, if you want God to be glorified in your life, we need the river of living waters to come forth Right from us. Jesus spoke of the river of living waters, the Holy Spirit flowing through us. And and the Lord spoke to me that that boulder in the middle is you. You are the boulder that is blocking the hindrance of the Holy Spirit. So I began, oh, and me, you know, whatever, my problems, my issues, uh, my tendencies to get in the way of things, get in the way of the Holy Spirit. So I began to pray, Lord, remove this, remove the boulder. Lord, remove the boulder. So that became my prayer, remove the boulder. And then I think it was maybe a week later or days later, I don't know, uh, the Lord spoke to me again. He says, no, 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 son, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to take that boulder and, and grind it to powder. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, oh, boy. Wouldn't it be easier to remove it, Lord? Just roll it away? Roll the stone away and let Christ come forth? And, and so and from that point in my life, this was years ago, it was just trouble after trouble, financial trouble, um, relationship trouble uh, with the other people, uh, troubles, 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 to the very point where it got to the point where um, they... Uh, the spiritual leaders of the church decided that it was time for me to go, and I agreed. And, and so that's that's how it worked out. But, again, I still hold on to that vision that the Lord is doing a breaking. I, uh, we have to realize that uh, um, in the eyes of the Lord, broken things are precious in the eyes of the Lord. Broken people are precious in the eyes of the Lord because the Lord can take the broken things, the base things, the um, things that other people don't look up to uh, and use them for his glory. Again, those glory, those trophies of grace that I spoke about earlier. In Psalm 1, the Lord tells us, blessed is the man. So if we want God's will, we need to. Next part, delight ourselves in the word of the Lord. We need to delight ourselves in God's word. Psalm 1.1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf, uh, leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The Lord wants us to delight in his word. And if you look up the word delight, you'll find it over and over again in the scriptures, in the Psalms, especially in Psalm 119, delighting ourselves in his word, delighting ourselves in his commandments, delighting ourselves in his statutes. And every one of those delights is followed with a blessing. 
Blessed is the man who delights himself in the word of the Lord. If we want God's best for our lives, we need to delight ourselves in the words of God. So we need to delight ourselves in the word of God. We need to meditate on the word of God. Think about the word of God. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua, from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditating on the word of God day and night, then you will be prosperous and have good success. And I think that's the only time in Scripture that the word success is used. Um, speaking to uh, Joshua, the Lord speaking to Joshua to meditate, to think about, to, uh, as um, we speak about, like a cow has like four stomachs, and, and when they eat uh, a meal, they regurgitate it later and chew it again, chew the cud. And they swallow it, and it's kind of gross, and regurgitate it later. Well, that's what he's talking about, meditating. Talking about bringing it up again. Bring, well, bring it up again, think about it, meditate on it, feast upon it again, and, and again, and again, and again. So to know God's will for your life, you must desire God's will for your life. In order to receive God's will for your life, you must seek God's will for your life. In order to know God's will, you must think God's word. You must speak God's word and you must act according to God's word. You must become doers of the word. Doers of the word. You need to renew your mind with the word of God that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God reveals our next steps as well as the direction for our life. Uh, in Psalm 119.05, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He uses his word to speak to our hearts. So we need to find ourselves in God's word on a daily basis. Next, I'm, I'm kind of going through here fast because it's getting late. Uh, dedication. I only, I only have a couple hundred more pages to go. No. Dedication. It takes dedication and commitment. One of the things that I believe with all my heart is that uh, the Lord commits himself to those who are fully committed to him. The Lord commits himself to those who are fully committed to him. It does take dedication. It does take commitment. We talked about... Um, one of our, our groups, uh, Food and Faith, we talked about love and what is love. And one of the uh, young gentlemen there said love is uh, sacrifice and commitment. When I was, I was kind of surprised that he came up with that. But he did. It's sacrifice and commitment, dedication. We need to be dedicated to the Lord. And, and again, if we fail, we just come right back. Ask for forgiveness and we keep on going. Lord, I am dedicating myself to you. Lord, I am following you. Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. That should become a daily prayer. Lord, be glorified in my life. John, I think it's 17, speaks of the Lord being glorified in our lives in Jesus' priestly prayer. Now, uh, getting close to the end, really. Serving. If we want God's will, we want God's best for our lives, we need to serve. There's a little, little verse that Jesus said, and I just love it. If anyone serves me, Jesus saying, and John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. That's God's glory. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. We find the Lord in service, in service to one another, in serving him. And again, when we serve the body of Christ, Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. 
when we're serving one another, when we're blessing one another, when we're encouraging one another, we are doing it as unto the Lord. And Jesus said, wherever you see my servant following me, I am with him. So if you want to know the will of God for your life, just begin serving. And obviously our focus is Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, like I said. He is our example. He is uh, the one that we are following, the one that we are living after. He is our standard, our example, our model. Uh, He is the heart of the gospel, and uh, we must spend time with him. We must spend time with him. We must cultivate a relationship with him, cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We must align ourselves to hear what the Spirit is saying. We must align ourselves to hear what the Spirit is saying. And again, it's just setting time aside. When we've said all of our prayers, when we have loaded up um, our shopping cart with prayers and supplications and needs of our own and of other people, we need to take time to listen to the Heavenly Father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know me, they know my voice. God is still speaking to his people. He is still giving direction and insight and guidance. And and it might not always be uh, glory, glory, glory. It might be, you don't understand, son, I'm going to crush you. (laughs) You're in the way. You need to be removed. You need to, uh, there's too many things that, Uh, need to be worked out in your life there needs a crushing needs to take place and then my spirit will flow like a river are you committed and dedicated i mean commitment and dedication it it takes time it it takes purpose it takes intentionality it takes setting yourself aside it takes uh being willing and obedient to what the lord is speaking it takes commitment and sacrifice Uh, But the Lord will be glorified in your life. The Lord will be glorified in your life. So let's all stand and close in prayer.